Well, hello everybody. My name's Caleb and I'm excited that firstly, it's the new year. Happy new year. I know we heard from Tyler last week on New Year's Day, but if you missed it and celebrating, happy new year from all of us at local church. And I'm excited to share today. And um, I'm excited because um, 2023 brings us some fresh opportunities. It's always a time of the year where, you know, you feel like it's a new season. Um, it's a new time. It's a new day. And um, it's usually the time of year where all those travel blogs start coming out, you know, 20, 2023, places to travel, top 10 places to travel, top 20 places to see in 2023. And I, I was actually reading one the other day and it got me thinking about all the travel I was lucky enough to do last year, both with the family and uh, on my own through through business. And we got to visit some, some great places. We got to see some beautiful places, visit family, um, as a family, and then I, as I say, I did some some travel on my own through through work and got to see some cool places like Atlanta, and even got to go to Nairobi last year. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. I love travel. Uh, flying alone versus flying with a family is completely different. It's like a whole different experience. And I got to kind of juxtapose. The, is that the word? Contrast those. Juxtapose maybe uh, those things. They're they're totally different. You've got. Traveling with family, you've got your kid. We've got a family of five. We've got three kids. You're making sure you got your kids. You got your carry-ons. You got their snacks. You got their toys. You see families at the airport. Usually, the dad and mom are like sweating. They're they don't look too happy. They're trying to like carry their kids, making it on time. They're stressed. They're worried. Are we gonna make the flight? I mean, it's completely different to those guys you see traveling for business and they've got like one little carry-on, no care in the world. They've got like a Chick-fil-A uh, chicken sandwich in their hand. There is nothing that's going to stop them. It's miles apart. And, and I got to kind of like experience both last year. And I have to say, you know, it was great traveling alone. Um, I love traveling with my family, but the difference of traveling alone than with a family of five where you've got like bag after bag after bag was completely different. But either way, there is no relief like the relief of handing over your bag to the guy that you check the bag into. You know that when you get to the airport, it's like, okay, everything's going to be okay. I don't know about you. I feel this way. Everything's going to be okay as soon as I hand my bag over. Once I hand my bag over, there's like a sigh of relief. I know I've checked in. I've got my ticket. Obviously, you got to get through security. That's another place that a form of relief, but that handing over the bag is, it's like a, it's like a sigh of gladness. It's like heaven meets earth right in that moment where you know everything is going to be okay. Nothing's weighing me down. I can travel light. And um, on some of the solo trips for work, I even got to travel without a carry-on. And that was a whole new experience. I've never done that before. Checked in my bag, which was only one bag. I had no carry-on. I had my wallet, my phone, and my passport. And that was it. I was, I, I, I mean, I felt like the king of the airport. It was amazing. I was freer. I was faster. I was more present. I had space to kind of like do what I wanted. Like I didn't have to worry about that little bag in those little shops trying to get through people, moving them when I'm on like sitting down and people trying to get through. I was lighter. Either way, once you've checked in your bags or you have the opportunity to travel without even a carry-on bag, it's a sigh of relief. And if you're taking notes today, the message, the sermon, the preach, whatever you want to call it, is this, travel light. 
And we're going to launch pad today's message from a snippet of the Old Testament. Surprise, surprise, if you know me, I love the Old Testament. And we're going to look at the story of David and Saul. And if I had to think about 2023 and any of my resolutions, it would be this. If, and I'm not a guy of long lists. I don't like lists. But if I had to choose one resolution, it would be this, that I want to travel light in 2023. And we get a sign of this in the story of David and Saul. And um, the story of David and Saul, if you don't know it, they were kings over Israel. And they were kind of like um, two enemies in a way. And, and particularly for Saul to David. Saul was a king over Israel before David, and he wasn't a great king. Um, his heart wasn't fully devoted to God. He was insecure. He was jealous. Frankly, he sucked at the king thing. He wasn't a good king. And so then God brings David onto the scene to replace Saul. David was a man wholehearted to God. He was wholehearted to the purposes of God, to the kingdom of God. He was strong. He was kind. He was courageous. He, didn't, he wasn't like Saul. He was an excellent king. And the story of these two has a ton of contrast as you look through their story of right and wrong, of good and bad, God's way versus man's way. But there's one contrast that we're going to pick up today and that we're going to camp around where both of them are meant to step up into what God has for them. And there's a, a, an interesting phrase that we find in both of their stories that I want to pick up. The first one is in 1 Samuel 10.20, and this is about Saul. It says this, Samuel, who was the prophet at the time, brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. This is where God was bringing the tribes together to choose a king. Then he brought each of the family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the, Mat the Matrites were chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Cush, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for Saul, he disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. Remember that phrase, he's hiding among the baggage. Now, in contrast to Saul, who is hiding among the baggage, we find David. And we find this sort of call of David where he's basically asked by his father to go to his brothers who are at the front line, who are basically with the Israelites about to fight Goliath. Or in, they actually weren't even fighting Goliath. We'll come on to that. It's the story of David and Goliath right before David hits the scene. And it says this, So David rose early in the morning in 1 Samuel 17, and left the flock with a, with a keeper, and took the supplies, and went as Jesse had commanded him. That's his dad. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out to battle, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle against, uh, drew up in, ba in battle array, army against army. Then David left the baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line. And he entered and greeted his brothers. You've got Saul who hides in the baggage and you have David who leaves the baggage with the baggage keeper and runs to the battle. You have one who keeps within the baggage and you have one who checks in his baggage at the baggage counter. You have one who's weighed down by the baggage and you have one who's traveling light. And the invitation for all of us today is to be like David to leave the baggage with the baggage keeper. Top travel tip 
of 2023 in your spiritual journey is this. Leave the baggage with the baggage keeper in 2022 and travel light in 2023. Leave the baggage with the baggage keeper. Travel light. And we're going to look at some forms of baggage together that either we hide in or that typically weigh us down as Christians, as believers. And together, I believe it's going to be a time for us to check in the baggage with the baggage keeper. Check it in at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to look at some of those types of baggage today. So I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Father, that you are kind, that you are merciful, that you are gentle. And Father, that you don't want anything to weigh us down as we come into 2023. But Father, you call us to live light, that your yoke is easy, that your burden is light. So Father, as we explore some of these forms of baggage today, Father, I ask that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, you reveal other types of baggage that we won't even cover today. Ones that we can leave the baggage with the baggage keeper, that is you, and travel light in 2023. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first form of baggage is this. It's really simple. You've heard it before. It's worry. When I was a kid, one of the things we used to do that I used to love to do when I uh, was in kind of primary school with my cousin was to go catch bullfrogs. We used to go down the creek and we used to catch these bullfrogs. And in my memory, the girth of these frogs were like this. It was like an anaconda snake. They were huge. Uh, I think in reality, they're probably like this. But when you're a kid, they felt big. And we used to go down the creek and we used to spend hours trying to catch these bullfrogs. We would catch them. We would hold on to them for like five seconds and let them go. I don't know what the point was, but as a, a young boy growing up in southern Ontario, that is all we had to do. And we used to hang out at the creek. And one of the things about the creek is there's a silent enemy. And the first few times we went down to the creek, this enemy, we managed to abate. They, it, we didn't know about this enemy. We were young, we were naive, we were dumb. And so we would be hanging out in the creek. And one day, as we left the creek shore, I looked down at my legs and that silent enemy was all over my legs. And it was the leech. And I have to tell you, it was the scariest moment of my entire life. I think I probably need to talk about it with my therapist. I've not yet, but I had leeches all over, not on my legs, but all over my body. And these things, I tried to rip them off. They were stuck to me. If you know anything about leeches, they suck the blood right out of you. They are little demon vampires in the water. And I did not know what to do. So the only thing I knew was to run home screaming. And I literally ran home from the creek to my house, which is probably like a 10 minute run. I had leeches all over me. My cousin, for some reason, didn't. And I ran like the wind. I run into the house, open the door. I'm yelling, I'm dying. I thought I had to make a will, leave my toys to my sisters. I had no idea. My dad looks at me, he starts laughing. He's like, they're just leeches. And I knew that these things, because my cousin had told me, he had obviously knew about these things, didn't tell me about it, thanks Roman. They were sucking the blood out of me. And he told me, man, those things are gonna take the blood right out of you. And I had like hundreds on me. So in my mind, I thought I was gonna lose all my blood, drop dead, and that was it for Caleb Gronoweg at the age of nine years old. Catching bullfrogs on my tombstone, he died in an adventure of catching bullfrogs the size of an anaconda snake. So I'm freaking out. My dad then says, hold on a minute, we can deal with this. He grabs a salt shaker and a lighter, comes up to me, and I mean, 
when a father comes up to you with a lighter and a salt shaker, you probably are going to be a little worried, but he says, stay still. He starts shaking salt on all these leeches and one by one, they started shriveling up like California raisins and dropping off my body. And as I thought about this story, I thought, you know, that's a little bit like worry. Worry has a tendency to stick to us and really suck the life right out of us. Worry literally sucks the life right out of you. It sucks the joy out of your life, the peace out of your life, the lightness out of your life. And when we worry, we usually aren't any of those things. It affects not only our minds and our spirits, but medical medicine, modern medical medicine, whatever doctors today tell us that it affects us physically. We know this stress, worry, it has a big toll on our bodies. It's not good for us. People lose their hair. They develop heart conditions. They have anxiety attacks, experience physical pain, blood pressure can go up. Worry is not good for us. And if I leave that leech of worry, I'm going to have issues. If I were to leave those leeches on my body, that probably would have caused a lot of issues in my life if I didn't deal with those, if I didn't go to my father and let him deal with those leeches. Worrying is a nasty thing. That's why people that worry are called worry warts. Yucky. They're warty. And no one wants to be warty in 2023. And we all experience worry in real ways. Parents with our kids, new unknown experiences, tough situations. I get it. We've all worried. We all worry. We all stress. Some more, some less. I think the Humphreys are a good example of people I don't think have ever experienced worry in their life. They're just easygoing, light people. If you want a good example of some people that travel light, look at the Humphreys. Look at Mike Humphrey and All's, all's well in the world. But God is clear about it being something that we don't need to carry. And something he doesn't want us to carry. And I know there's genuine anxiety disorders. There's genuine people that have panic attacks. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about worry that, you know, that we don't need to carry in our lives. The ones that, you know aren't so much those situations that are medical conditions. Although I do believe that God is a God of miracles and in, with one word, with one touch, he can heal you if you suffer from those things. I'm not talking about those things as such, but the Bible, the Bible puts it like this. It's in Philippians 4, he says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and let the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, Guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Don't worry about anything. But what about, you know, my kid that's going off to school? Don't worry about anything. What about that exam I have later today? Don't worry about anything. What about that conversation that I got with my boss tomorrow? Don't worry about anything. What about that WebMD article that I read about that pain I've been having for months? Don't worry about anything. What he's, Paul says this, but in everything... Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests, let your worries, let your anxieties, let your stresses be made known to God. I'm not talking about repressing worry. I'm not talking about just pretending it's not there, suppressing it, denying it. Instead, confess it. Talk to God about it. Check that bag in with Him. It's a great way to travel light this year. And you will have an opportunity to worry, I'm sure. I mean, we all do. Stuff can go wrong. Trouble happens. Things can get out of control. 
But we have a lot of say in what we do with those thoughts. Martin Luther once said, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. You can't keep the enemy from suggesting thoughts from wanting you to worry, but you can choose not to dwell on those things. The enemy would love nothing more for us than to hide in the baggage of worry. Keep us from remembering that God is in control, that nothing is impossible for God, that he knows all things and he has everything in his hands. Worry is basically like a form of bad meditation. Just thinking about over and over and over again the wrong things, the things that haven't actually happened yet. Worry is thinking about things that we just don't know the outcome of. To think deeply or carefully about something. To be fixated with something. You can't get it out of your head. It can take over your whole day or your whole week or your whole month sometimes. And let's call it what it is. Worry is a lack of trusting God. Worry implies that we don't quite trust God, trust that God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our lives. So why carry those bags with you when Jesus the baggage keeper invites us to check the bag in with him? He says, And the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ." Jesus. This week we had an opportunity to worry and I have to say that initially I got really worried. Alex went to the specialist. Some of you know that we've had problems with Vinny and his throat and he has a smaller, a smaller airways which means he's susceptible to sickness, to breathing issues, to stopping breathing a lot more and we've been in the hospital a lot this last year and we went to the specialist and the specialist said he'll either grow out of it by the time he's age 13. So either we got to wait till he's 13 years old or there's a surgery you can do where essentially you open up the esophagus, which sounds terrible. You take a graft from the rib cage and you widen the esophagus where he's got to be in ICU under sedation for a week. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could believe the doctor's words, which I do. The doctors are professionals and I do believe the doctors. Um, and I can let those things sink in and take over my life. I can dwell on what ifs and what hasn't happened yet. Or I can hand all my cares to the one who cares for me. And in that moment, I had a moment of sudden worry where I was online trying to research it all. And I felt the peace of God come over me and God speak to me and say, Caleb, this is baggage. I was prepping this message and he said, this is baggage that I want you to hand over. You don't know what's going to happen, but I am in control. And I have to tell you, the peace of God, like it says in that scripture, became tangible for me in that moment. And I, and I can tell you that I'm not actually worried now. Yes, I'm concerned for my son. Yes, I'm interested in knowing what's going to happen. Do I know what will happen? Nope. Does God? Yeah. Can I control any of it? Nope. Can God? Yes. So I pray and expect him to do only what he can do. Heal, comfort, protect. 
And I like how Jesus, the baggage keeper, says it in Matthew 6. He says this, This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and body, and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than the birds? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about your clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like these ones. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith, don't worry, saying, what will I eat or what will I drink or what will I wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added on you. Onto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble enough of its own. Don't let the worry leech, don't let worry leech your life in 2023. Don't let the enemy convince you to hide in that baggage. Be like David and leave the baggage with the one who can handle it. Trust Jesus, look to God, pray and petition. Put your faith in the one who is in control. Seek professional help if you need it. You are the salt and light of the world. It is time to see that worry shrivel up like those leeches that I spoke about earlier. Worry? I'm checking that baggage baggage in with a baggage keeper. I'm traveling light this year. The next form of baggage seems like a heavy one because it is. We've got one which is worry. And we've got another one, which is sin. It's a big bag. And it would be amiss of me not to mention it. Because sin has a way of weighing us down. God is holy. And he has a standard for us as the people of God. And sin is anything less than his standard for for our life. And God calls us to live by his standards. Why? Because he knows that it's best for us. And he wants us to live a life and travel light. We all mess up. We're humans. We do things we shouldn't. And I'm so thankful for Jesus' grace in our lives. And when we ask Jesus into our lives, when we become a Christian, he removes the sinful nature once and for all. So now we can enjoy life living light, traveling light, freedom from sin and death, and to live with him forever. His grace and his mercies are new every morning. Nothing can separate you from his love. And I'm so thankful for Jesus' death and resurrection and he died for us so we can live in that freedom. So that the weight of sin no longer hangs on our shoulder. We are free indeed. And we know that for us as Christians, there is now, no, there, there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Our shame is taken away. Our pains are healed in his name, I believe. You know that that good one. Everyone's singing it right now. But what about that sin in our life that just keeps happening again and again? I'm not talking about our sinful nature that Christ deals with on the cross. But what about that thing in our life 
that happens again and again and again that we know doesn't quite line up to a standards in our life. That thing we've struggled with for years maybe. That hidden sin that we'd not really wanted to talk about, that we're ashamed of, that's gross, that we know just doesn't quite fit in our Christian walk. In the story of David where we see him leave the baggage with the baggage caper, he's coming to a battle where the Israelites have already come to the front line again and again and again and face Goliath. It said that they would come out each day. They would march to the front line, front line, Goliath would come out, roar at them, and then they would cower away back to their tents, and the next day they would go out hoping that someone would help save the day, and again, Goliath would come out, shout, and scare them away, and they would do that again and again and again. Cyclical living, coming out again and again and again, covering that same issue again and again and again. And that sin, that baggage that I'm talking about is that baggage that he wants us to check in and mature out of. That, that cyclical living that doesn't quite line up with his standards. To grow up spiritually, to mature in him. The Bible is clear that we shouldn't use our freedom that we now have through Christ to abuse the grace that he's given us and to keep on sinning. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. He gives us freedom to live a free from sin life. In Romans 6, in the message, it puts it like this. I love this. It says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we sti still live in our old, life, old, our old house there? That is what happened in baptism. That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. We came up out of the water. We entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That is what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world. It says it right here, a light-filled world, traveling light by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer captive to sin's demands. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sins conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal to the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. And you hang on to every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time. Remember that you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. 
Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Drop mic. I mean, Paul said it best in the Romans. I don't need to say any more there. But God wants us to travel light, to live light, to experience freedom that can only be found in Him. That cyclical sin that happens when we're out of that old country of sin, as, the, as, the, as uh, Eugene Peterson put it here, it no longer weighs us down. That cyclical sin that happens again and again, we can see that baggage left with the baggage keeper. If we're saved, sin won't separate us from his love, but it can slow, slow you down. And in some cases, it can stop you in your tracks. It'll slow you down and sometimes it'll stop you. The Israelites were stuck in a holding pattern. The same old, same old each and every day. And the thing that cut that cyclical thing from happening was David coming in, leaving the baggage with the baggage keeper and coming right to the front lines and dealing with the giant right there and right then. It's called repentance. And we can do that daily where we come to him. And sometimes we got to do that daily. As they say, we all mess up. Repentance is turning from that thing that isn't God's standard and doing a 180 degree turn away from it and going the other direction. You might think, well, this, this isn't very encouraging, Caleb. What are you preaching about? But it's good news. It's good news because there is freedom for us in this because otherwise if we continue in those same things that we God calls us to mature out of it will slow us down in experiencing God's best for us sure we all mess up it's going to happen but the key is to keep short accounts with God and with one another if we sin against each other repentance should be a regular practice for us all As I'm thinking about this as well, and as I read that scripture, if you aren't baptized and you find yourself, there's the, just a, a feeling of like, I can't get out of these certain sins, these things that just aren't lining up with God's best for my life. If you're not baptized, this year can be the year. That's an ultimate dropping of baggage. It says the old life is gone. The new has come. When we go into the waters, it's it's, it's, it's basically dealing with that old nature, that sinful nature. And when we come up out of the water, it's a sign of us being resurrected with Christ. So if you are interested and you've not been baptized, DM me, message me, do whatever you got to do, because I would love to see you baptized in the waters of baptism and made free, because that's an ultimate sign of getting rid of baggage. But we can confess to one another, we can repent, and as we mature, we should see some of those silly, cyclical sins happen less and less. It says in Hebrews 5.12, it says, For though by, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish from good and evil. As we walk with God, as we walk with the Spirit, as we walk with one another, we should be those that mature in Him. 
distinguishing from good and evil, seeing those cyclical patterns of sin broken in Jesus' name. We do this through repentance. We do this by being mentored by those who have gone before us. And we do this by being with one another. I started running last year. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't talk about running often. I'll leave that to Levi usually. But I started running last year and I knew nothing about how to run. I, I mean, I knew how to rent. I knew how to run. I mean, I, I knew how to walk. But I didn't know what like gear I needed. And I started in the wintertime, which was probably a bad idea anyway. And when I started, Alex will make fun of me all the time about this. I had no idea what gear I needed. I had this big, thick winter coat. It was cold out. So I'm like, well, I want to be warm. And I wasn't really running the whole time. I was like running, walking, running, walking, running, walking, more walking than running until I kind of built up my stamina and matured in my running uh, career, as it were. And I used to, I got these rubber boots from Walmart that are like winter rubber boots. And because I didn't want my feet to get wet, I used to run in these heavy rubber boots. True story. I knew nothing about what I was doing. I had a big, thick, thick winter coat. I had a thick hat, which wasn't a running hat. It even had like a pom-pom on it. And I had rubber boots. And it was the hardest thing. I, I remember thinking like, if this is running, count me out. I knew nothing. They, weren't, they were flat. They weren't even ergonomically designed for running. I, I knew nothing. And it wasn't until I got around seasoned runners like Isaac or, or, or Levi where they're like, what are you doing? Like, what are you running in? You need to run in like hokas. You need to run in, in these fancy winter track shoes. They taught me how to travel light. They, they taught me how to run light. They matured me in my running career. And they helped me see that I was being weighed down by something and sin can be a bit like that. When we're, when we're, when we're first a Christian, there's things that we're learning and we're, we need to grow out of and we need to get around others that help us mature. If I kept going back to those, you know, a year and a half later now, if I kept going back to those rubber boots, it, when I know that there's a better way, when I've got track shoes that are, are, are waterproof, that are ergonomically designed for me to get through the snow and ice and run faster, if I kept going back to those rubber boots now, I'd be a fool. I'd be an idiot. It's foolish. It's unnecessary weight. And that's where these things that we're talking about, the weight that the sin that can so easily entangle that Hebrews tells us about, that's where accountability comes in. The Bible says we can confess our sins to one another. And I'm so glad we're in a church where we can find others, where it's safe, where there's no shame, there's no condemnation. That we all want the best for one another. Where we can confess our sins, whether that's lying, that's anger, that's lust, that's jealousy. There are things that we struggle with. Each of us has something different, a vice that we got to get rid of, that we know that's always kind of been in the background. But God wants freedom for us here in 2023. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a large cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured the cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Sin's like an untied shoe. You keep walking in it and sooner or later it's going to trip you up. Sin, 
I'm checking that bag in daily if, if needed through repentance, through accountability, and through maturing as a believer. I'm traveling light this year. And there's so many things. There's worry, there's sin, and there's so many things that can weigh us down. And I trust the Holy Spirit as I've been speaking put his finger on something for you that he doesn't want you to carry in as a weight into 2023. And at risk of this message weighing us down and weighing our clocks down and weighing our schedules down, there's just a few other things that as I was praying that I just felt the Holy Spirit put his finger on. Bags that we can check in. Offense. Leave that baggage with the baggage keeper. Past hurts. Leave that baggage and check it in. Lies, bitterness, jealousy, comparison, spiritual dryness, anger, opinions, wrong opinions of others, opinions about church and God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, leave that baggage behind. It's become a baggage for you. All of these things are very real. They weigh us down. And some of it's going to take an intentional effort to keep going back to the Father daily. Keep going back to the baggage keeper daily and hand it over. I know that, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize anything, but I know that the God of the entire universe can handle the weight that you're carrying today. He takes our worry and He gives us peace. He takes our sin and He gives us freedom. He takes our hurt and He gives us hope. He takes our comparison and He gives us purpose. He takes our dryness and He gives us refreshing. Jesus, when He talked to His disciples, He encouraged them to travel light. In Luke 9, it says this, And He called the twelve disciples together, and He gave them the power and the authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, and he said to them, take nothing for your journey. In other words, leave the baggage behind. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. Basically, travel light. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart and Whenever they don't receive you, when you leave the town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed, and it says the disciples went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. That's traveling light. That's living light. That's being the people he's called us to be. Under Saul's leadership, when facing Goliath, the Bible tells us the Israelites would go out every day to face that giant. He'd come out and taunt them and they would cower back to their tents as we saw before and the next day they would do it again, never winning, going over the same thing again and again and again and again. But then with David, when he hits the battle scene, he leaves the baggage behind and he deals with it by running to the front lines, living light, traveling light, and dealing with the giant once for all. It was a giant of a problem for Israel at the time. It was Goliath. And if we want to travel light, if we want to slay some giants in 2023, if we want to see some healing in our lives, try this. Leave the baggage with the baggage keeper. Worry? Check it in. Sin? Check it in. Wrong opinions of God or others? 
check it in. Offense, hurt, pain, check it in. Forgive. Bitterness, check it in. He can handle it for you. Travel light. You might be watching this and you think, gosh, you know, my life is heavy right now. I don't know Jesus. You've been talking about this Jesus that takes the baggage away and I feel like my life is heavy right now. And without God, you know what? Life is heavy. And God's purpose and plan for you. He says that in this world you will have troubles. We're not immune from having troubles when we become a Christian. But he says this, take heart, I've overcome the world. And he says, I want to help you carry the load. I want to shoulder the load with you. And whatever hurt, whatever pain, whatever sickness, whatever it is, I want your yoke to be light. The burden to be light and the yoke to be easy. A yoke in the Bible is a biblical term. It was a, was a thing that they put on animals that, that sort of weighed them down to do the work in the fields. The thing that they put over the, 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 the oxen to kind of drag the, uh, the thing that, I'm not a farmer, the, the drag, the, the, to drag the thing that used to till the ground. It was heavy. It was, it was on them to carry things. And Jesus says, I want to take off that burden and I want to give you a burden, a yoke that's light, easy. And it's as simple as, as giving our life to Him. Handing over the baggage of our life with the baggage keeper. It starts with giving the baggage of our whole life to Him. And saying, God, I repent and I want to live for you. So I'm going to pray here in a moment. If that's you, there's going to be an opportunity for you to click in the chat. Say, I want to become a Christian. To travel light coming into 2023 in the best way you can by giving your life to Jesus. So I'm going to say a prayer here and I'm going to say a line and if you would pray with me, that's your confession, that's your step in this Christian journey to become a Christian. And we would love to, to journey with you. We believe Christianity is a team sport. So let us know if you prayed this prayer and we would love to journey with you. Jesus, I thank you that you are the baggage keeper. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that the baggage of sin is something that you wanna take from me. And so Jesus, I ask that you take my life, that you take my burdens, that you take my sin, and that you come into my life right now. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I want to live for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. We're back here again online next week. I believe Tim Klassen is going to bring us the word, but have a great week traveling light.